Hello, everyone, and welcome to the roadmap from Auto Finance News. Since 1996, the nation's leading newsletter on automotive lending and leasing. It's Monday, September 13th, and I'm Amanda Harris, Associate Editor of Auto Finance News. Um, I'm joined today by my fellow Associate Editor, Whitney McDonald, and our editor, Joey Pizzolatto. Uh, this is our weekly wrap on what happened in auto finance for the week ending September 10th, 2021. Um, as always, I want to thank our Auto Finance News advertisers, Alpha, D5 Solutions, Equifax and Walters Kluwer for their continuing support. First, in some general automotive news, uh, non-unionized automakers, including Toyota Motor Corp, Tesla, and Rivian Automotive, have criticized a proposal by U.S. House Democratic lawmakers to give union-made electric vehicles higher subsidies. The 10-year proposal would provide an additional $4,500 tax incentive for union-built EVs, a move that would benefit mainly car makers such as General Motors, Ford Motor, and Slantis, whose factory workers are represented by the United Auto Workers. Uh, critics argue the proposal is therefore discriminatory. Uh, another update to hit the wires this past week um, is that Ford Motor Company is refinancing three revolving credit facilities using the Secured Overnight Financing Rate, or SOFR, as the company transitions away from LIBOR. Uh, Ford is likely the first in more SOFR-linked deals to come now that new loans cannot be tied to LIBOR after New Year's Eve. Uh, turning to vehicle finance, uh, we saw some, some interesting things come in this week. Uh, first, the industry might need to prepare for vehicle values to again start to rise uh, following the last three months of decline, which seem to be pointing toward possibly normalizing used vehicle costs. Um, in August, the Mannheim Used Vehicle Value Index set at 194.5, which is down just 0.4% from July, um, and it's still 18.8% above what we saw last year at this time. Uh, the index has been gradually falling for the past about three months after hitting record highs. We talked about that for a long time. Uh, nearly every month since the pandemic started. In fact, in May, we know it peaked and went over 200 for the first time in the index's history. Uh, but they have begun to stabilize in part due to improving used vehicle inventory. A supply sat at about 40 days at the end of August, um, which is up a little bit um, from July, uh, but it's not quite up to the normal 45 day supply that we would typically see. Um, and even though values have kind of started to come down the last few months, uh, it's not likely that downward trend will continue. Um, it's going to be pretty short lived because wholesale prices did increase 0.6% uh, in August, nothing too crazy, um, but it does kind of point to the fact that those are increasing again. Um, and it's mainly due to dealers are having to buy more cars at wholesale because manufacturing constraints, um, which have been pretty, pretty bad anyway, uh, they're likely to worsen in the coming months. Um, so kind of have to see how that factors out, if these vehicle values will go up again, how much they'll go up again, um, I don't think it's likely we'll see, you know, the peak that we saw in May um, or like over the springtime, but because the chip shortage is likely to last until, you know, into 2022, it's kind of the consensus at least. Um, it is very likely that supply will continue being an issue and as more dealers go to the wholesale market, 
um, you know, and those prices go up, that will eventually start to impact the prices we're actually seeing, um, you know, in the in the retail market too. So that's kind of what we're, we're tracking uh, with used vehicle values. So is there any questions on used vehicle values before we go forward and talk about some other things? I think they were pretty, uh, we're pretty straightforward. We're just gonna keep monitoring it as we normally do and we'll see what happens next month and if they do indeed go up again. So we'll just see. Uh, this week, we also saw some funding news. Uh, Tricolor Auto secured a $90 million convertible preferred equity investment from funds managed by BlackRock. Uh, so Joey, I think you did that one. So do you want to walk us through the deal and kind of what it means? Sure. Um, yeah, Tricolor Auto got $90 million, like you said, uh, in convertible preferred equity investment, which will allow that, or from BlackRock, which will allow BlackRock to um, have an option to convert its investment into a minority share of the company. Which is actually really, I think, one of the more interesting things about this deal is we are seeing a lot of investment firms kind of gravitate back towards auto finance. Uh, we had Warburg, Warburg Pincus, you know, a couple months ago, maybe that's how long ago it was, I can't remember at this point, acquire Exeter. Um, and, you know, if, if we look back kind of like at the credit crisis, um, pre-credit crisis, there were a lot of investment firms that were... Um, you know, kind of, kind of all over uh, auto finance, um, and a lot of those investment firms kind of took a step back after the credit crisis because you know a lot of subprime auto kind of went belly up. Um, you know, the lenders we see in the market today that are in subprime, they were the ones that kind of weathered the storm. So you know, I think it, it kind of points to two things. Um, you know, from BlackRock's point of view, I think Tricolor is a very solid investment. I mean, if you you look at uh, their metrics, their ability to originate loans to credit invisible consumers, and more so their total addressable market. I mean, they're only in Texas and Southern California. Um, that leaves quite a bit of, of uh, geography that they can still fill out, which means they have nothing but room to grow. From So from an investment perspective, I think that that's really interesting. Now, I think the big question is how 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 active are these investment firms going to be in like the management of um, the capital? Warburg Pincus, I believe, indicated that, you know, Exeter's um, leadership team, they would continue. Everything would kind of be par for the course. I would imagine that Tricolor is not going to be doing anything different. But as more, more of these investment firms kind of step into auto, um, you know, how much hand they'll have in their operations um, kind of is, is a question I think that, that's on my mind and probably should be on everyone's mind. Um, I'm not sure you know, how far that would go, but it's definitely um, something that we need to keep an eye out for. Well, we will be following that one for sure. Um, the other thing that we saw this week uh, was we did see another development when it comes to auto lenders adopting digital tools. That's something we've been talking about for quite a while, um, but we know the pandemic really kind of highlighted this um, and kind of, you know, quickened the pace on, on lenders really taking on more digital initiatives. Uh, so Whitney, I believe you talked to Guessa Credit Union about this. Can you share kind of what they've been doing? Yes, so exactly what you said. We've been seeing an ongoing trend in the industry of the adoption of automation, AI technology, um, new digital tools, just to better serve customers um, and kind of go through the credit decisioning process. Um, so yeah, with GESA, at the end of August, GESA Credit Union adopted Synaptic's AI-powered credit decisioning platform, which improves the underwriting decisionings using custom 
AI or artificial intelligence models that predict credit worthiness. The platform has led to auto approval of 50% of 50% of, 50 of direct and of indirect auto loan applications since the credit union adopted the technology, like I said at the end of last month. So through the use of a custom credit risk model built on Guess's auto portfolio performance history, the technology can replicate approvals even with the elimination of human intervention. The technology offers quick decision-making for consumers, adding to the customer experience model that other lenders have been working to improve. Wells Fargo, for example, increased automation through its loan approval process that started in the fourth quarter of 2020. Synaptic works with banks, credit unions, fintechs, and others in the auto um, industry, including Automotive Acceptance Corporation and power sports lender American Cycle Finance. The addition of more automation and AI has GESA on trend with the, with the auto finance industry as lenders continue to add more automation options um, to their consumers and, and to their portfolios, really. And I think they, um, they actually saw a jump in their approval rates. After yes, it was started. a 20% jump, so um, pretty significant. Right, and I think what's really interesting about, about this particular story is not necessarily, you know, the nuts and bolts of um, guessings in particular, but, you know, some of these smaller guys um, that, you know, have a, their hand in auto, I think automation is is really, uh, and this might be kind of like a well-done statement, but it really um, provides or eases up a lot of resources um, for, for some of these smaller guys that are doing um, this still still engaging in like this manual loan approval process right you can if, if you incorporate automation into your loan decisioning like like uh, your story points out when you on loans that they would have already approved in the first place then you can spend more time you know maybe not necessarily chasing down some other um you know out of your credit box loans but you know you you can spend more time you know servicing those loans um you know working with your dealer partners um so i think that as we continue to, to follow automation, we'll, we'll definitely see more of this, um, you know, even from the big guys, right? Uh, Wells Fargo in the first quarter said that they were doing this, like you said, Whitney. So, um, you know, this is definitely gonna be something we see a lot more of, especially as artificial intelligence kind of comes more front and center um, rather than, you know, kind of being on the fringes of, of the industry right now. Yeah, yeah so we'll continue to follow it and, um see who else and what else is coming in the automation world. Yeah, and just to kind of tack on a little thought there, I think you're right, Joey. Like, I think the, the point is not so much to maybe, you know, get more approvals that you wouldn't have normally done. It's to free up, like, your human capital and your processes and all that to just, like, increase everything across the board. Um, that's why I think bigger ones will jump on, too, and, and smaller ones as well. So it kind of works for all lender types because if you can save some time and money like obviously that makes a big difference um, just on being able to grow your auto book and to service loans better and, and keep them um, up to date and lower those delinquency rates so I think we'll see more of it for sure. Perfect well thank you both um, and as a reminder the auto finance summit returns October 27th through 29th in Las Vegas um, we're really excited to bring back more of the best and brightest in the industry this year um, and more networking opportunities as well as course professional education. Uh, so you can learn more about the 2021 event and register at autofinancesummit.com. Um, we also 
want to hear from you. So when, on whatever platform you listen to the roadmap, please rate the weekly wrap. Um, and please also follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, thank you for joining us on another week. And we'll see you online at autofinancenews.net and here next time.